This presentation is from UX Australia 2016, held in Melbourne. For more presentations from this and other conferences, please visit uxaustralia.com.au. Wow. <laughs> Very tough act to follow. Thank you, Greta, for being so personal and candid. That was awesome. Really, really awesome. Good afternoon, the rest of you. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, I'm enjoying the conference so far. Is everyone else? How cool is it? I'm going to jump straight in. So, trust. Why is it so important? Well, I think Greta just told us. And I'm going to tell you it's important too. So, there you go. It's important. <laughs> Take my word for it. What? You don't trust me? Okay, well, I better elaborate. Since the beginning of time, people have been ripping people off. Now, to be honest, I didn't really validate that statement. I've got no evidence to support it. But surely greed has actually been a thing, like forever. And you might think, well, a customer doesn't have to purchase your product or service. They can always go somewhere else, right? But this is usually true, but not always. Let's look at a couple of examples. Once you're reliant on a product or service, it's possible for all the suppliers, especially if there's not very many, in a particular industry to inflate the prices and actually get away with it. Googling the topic actually brings up plenty of examples, naming and shaming some very familiar brands. Price-fixing products such as milk, petrol, pharmaceuticals, electronics, and more. It's also possible for new companies with new products to enter the market and oversell the quality. I'm sure we've all got examples of things that we've bought with good money that actually turned out to be a steaming heap. Or maybe it's just a major hassle to go elsewhere. I think a lot of companies really take advantage of this. Or maybe it's just too hard to compare apples with apples. And it's better the devil you know. The good thing is, I think it's actually going to become harder and harder for companies to get away with this sort of behaviour. Why? As technology gets more sophisticated, we're going to see two trends. Well, we are already seeing two trends. The first is it's getting easier for new companies to enter the marketplace on a global scale, often with very innovative solutions. And the other is the proliferation of reviews and recommendations. So... Rachel Botsman, who is a thought leader on the reputation economy, said, the currency of the new economy is trust. Now, who here has heard of the reputation economy? 24 people. Basically, it's the concept of people having an online reputation that they can take with them or share across multiple services. So Rachel actually predicts that our reputation will become a currency that's even more powerful than our credit history. Think about it. Companies such as Airbnb, Uber, eBay, they actually all depend on the willingness of strangers to trust each other on a global scale. Traity is a new service that has started up that actually allows people to maintain their own reputation profile. It combines all the reputation data from the social networks that you connect uh, from other, and other sites such as Airbnb, etc. Uh, so this is a series of things that give your reputation more weight. So you can share it with people or other online services uh, to prove your trustworthiness in either the on or offline world. 
Here's my profile. I linked it to six web accounts and verified my email and, password, uh, and mobile number. And I had nine in uh, reviews, which isn't very many, sucked in from eBay and Airbnb. And already I have a gold reputation. <laughs> so can you trust me now? <laughs> but it doesn't end there. I think, I think this sort of reputation data will start to go across in, on businesses as well. There's already a lot of consumer reviews about companies and their products and services, etc. But I think authenticity is the problem in this space at the moment. But it's only going to get easier for algorithms to decipher mountains of this data, filter out the ones that don't look authentic, and actually give you a pretty accurate view of the perception of any company's offerings. So how might we ensure that our businesses are trustworthy? I think we should return to an old school principle that every transaction should be a win-win scenario. It should be a win for the customer and a win for the com company. At this point, I'd like to take a step back and investigate what this might mean for banking, since I'm in the banking industry working for Westpac. All right, so most people think of banking as a bunch of different accounts. You know, a, a transaction account, savings account, credit card, and some sort of loan, etc. You know, there's lots of different products. They kind of sit in this product layer. But in addition to that, we have these products. I mean, we, have, um, we also have a service layer. And traditionally, you would need to go to a branch to um, actually carry out the majority of these services. But banks are very quickly digitizing uh, the customer experience and more of these services, making them available in their apps. Now, the bank owns this whole environment currently. But we're probably not far off the regulator mandating an open standard for APIs. This is already happening in Europe and the UK and could effectively enable anyone to build their own services within this services layer at the top. And these services could talk to your bank accounts, your very dumb bank accounts via these APIs. And we're not just talking fintechs, which is what most people assume. There'd be nothing stopping the likes of Google, Facebook, uh, and Apple, you know, stepping in and creating uh, all sorts of really innovative services here. And it will probably mean that the products themselves will become hugely commoditized. And the value will actually lie in the experience. Maybe it'll even get to the stage where you could choose an account from any provider and manage your entire portfolio of banking products all in one seamless experience and have accounts all over the place. If this were to happen, would you continue to trust your bank to be your financial services custodian? Or would you perhaps entrust the company that you currently entrust with your email or something else? It's certainly going to be interesting to see how this plays out. As Richard Davis, the president and CEO of Bancorp US said, trust is ours to lose. If we don't protect that trust, it's game over. But do customers really trust their bank? Well, in a recent global survey conducted by Telstra's Rocky Scopoletti, he found that 76% of millennials actually trusted their banks more than any other institution. I found that really surprising. That's huge. But let's look at it in a little bit more detail. I think that most people actually really do trust that banks will keep their money secure. And I think that most people probably think that banks will keep their personal data safe. 
But do they actually trust that the bank will act in their best interest? I'm not so sure about that one. So I've actually set out to try and find out if they do. I came across the trust equation, which is published by the Trusted Advisor Associates. It basically states that trust is made up of this equation, right? So we're looking at credibility, i.e., do they have the necessary expertise and track record to deliver? And then you add reliability. In other words, do they always do what they say in a consistent manner? Are they reliable? And then intimacy. So how comfortable am I actually doing business with this company? Like when I tell them stuff, am I comfortable that they'll keep it safe and secure? Um, Am I happy to give them my personal data? And then divide all this by self-orientation. So this is, are they just focused on profits and shareholders? Or do they genuinely strive to deliver value to their customers? So after seeing this equation, I thought, well, if we could effectively measure trust and the components of trust, then surely we should be able to design for it too. So based on this, I've put together a very quick survey. To get out your mobiles and quickly type in that URL. I don't necessarily want you to do it right now, but I've only got one minute, one more point to make. So thehappypath.co slash trust, if you're not already in the banking industry, that is. <laughs> now, this survey needs a bit of work. It's more of just a draft at this stage, but I'm really interested to see the initial results so I can get a feel for if I'm going in the right direction. So, back to this slide. Maybe you shouldn't just trust me, but I've got some more to say. Trust is important because I think if you don't keep the customer's best interests at hearts, if you don't act with integrity, if you don't offer value for money, then customers will soon have very capable tools to know how dodgy your organisation is. You'll be out of a business before you know it. So as designers, we have the ability not to just design new features and services, but also affect the culture of our organisations. To influence change, let's make a difference and start designing for trust. Don't be evil. Make sure your product or service does what it says on the tin. If you're a bank, don't push credit card debt onto people who are going to struggle to repay it. If you're a multinational earning a decent profit in Australia, maybe you should think about paying some tax here. If you're a car manufacturer, don't cheat on emissions tests. If you're a large supermarket chain, don't screw over the farmers. And this is just the tip of the melting iceberg. If you govern a country, don't prioritise dirty coal projects over um, renewable energy emissions. Uh, initiatives, sorry. <laughs> if you do what's right, you will earn and keep the trust of your customers. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this presentation from UX Australia 2016. For more presentations from this and other conferences, please visit uxaustralia.com.au.